Nothing is impossible when God is on your side. Nothing is impossible when God is on your side. Nothing is impossible when God is on your side. So I'm going to have you repeat that with me. I'm going to say that first phrase, nothing is impossible. And you're going to say, nothing is impossible. And I'm going to say, when God is on your side. And you're going to say, when God is on my side. Are you ready? Nothing is impossible when God is on your side. Nothing is impossible when God is on my side. Now, I suppose the sermon could end there and we could all go home and repeat this phrase over and over, but I want you to understand why it is that I'm saying that nothing is impossible when God is on your side. You see, I'm, I'm coming uh, this morning and I, I want to give to you a word of hope from God's Word. I, I want you to hear and I want you to be infused as you go home. I, I want you to be ready and recognize that there is great hope. I'm also recognizing and I'm assuming that for the majority of you who walked in this morning, there is for almost all of us some scenario, some scene in our life that causes us great fear because we think that there's something that's impossible. We think that there's something that's so big that causes great fear and anxiety and dread and terror in our life that we can't possibly think of what it would look like if that were done, if we were over it. If it was past us, if it was a wall that was already climbed, I'm assuming this morning uh, that you probably walked in with something that looks like uh, it's nearly impossible. I'm wondering if, if for you, you walked in and you're thinking about the near impossibility of something in your life this morning, something that causes you great fear and anxiety and perhaps terror, and you are just deathly afraid. Maybe, maybe it's something like a job. And that job is, is maybe ending and you're trying to figure out, well, where's the next job going to come from? Or the job that you have uh, is not a good job, it's not good enough, and the finances aren't coming through the way you want them to, and you're wondering, uh, how in the world are we going to make our payments? How are we going to live in this world? And you're thinking, that, that's impossible, it can't be done, I don't know how, what we're going to do. And you go to bed at night, and you're thinking right now about the fear, and you're scared. What are we going to do? This is nearly impossible. How is this going to happen? Maybe you're thinking about a relationship with a family member that's just bad. I mean, we're not talking about you just don't talk very often. We're talking about uh, there is a level of disregard and bitterness in this relationship that you could not even begin to think about having a real loving relationship with this other person. And for you, you walked in and you're scared that there's nothing ever going to be able to happen. There's nothing. There's no, uh, there's no bulldozer that's going to be able to knock down a wall. There's an impossibility there. 
Maybe you walked in and, and uh, it's your marriage, and, and over the last several months, you have just noticed that there is, there is tension in your marriage that just hasn't been there before. And you are wondering, I, I, as you came in, I, I'm scared, I wonder if, if this is ever going to go away. There's an anxiety as you walked in thinking about your marriage and, and some of the things that you're having to go through right now. Perhaps it is that you came in and, and you want children in the worst way, but, but for whatever reason, through all the tests and all the things that you have done, there's just there's infertility and you're not sure why. And you're frustrated and emotionally, you're tired of riding the, the emotional waves of the roller coaster. And for you, right now, as you sit in this place right now, you're thinking, that's just impossible. The doctors have told me it's never going to happen. Maybe it is that as you sit in this place this last year, you, you have lost a pregnancy. You've lost a child in that pregnancy, and, and it hurts right now, even as you think about it. And the doctors have begun to tell you that it's impossible for you to carry a baby full term. And you're thinking, it's impossible. It just can't be done. And this morning, if you walk in and you're thinking right now of a, of a scenario, of a situation that is causing you fear and anxiety and dread, uh, can I tell you that I understand? There are things that from a human perspective we come to and we think that just simply cannot be done. And can I tell you that if you're afraid, that's pretty normal. From a human perspective, when we see things that we can't seem to see past, when it seems nearly impossible uh, to, for anything uh, of, of, of that variety to be overcome, Fear is often the result. It's the outcome of just simply looking at things through a human perspective. But it's not the only perspective that we can have. The human perspective is not the only perspective that we can have. In fact, uh, there's another perspective that we can have. Uh, and, and in fact, God's Word uh, begins to tell us about what that perspective is. And we see that really clearly in the life of David. We started this sermon series last week called Pressure Points. And if you were with us last week, we learned that one of the best ways to approach the pressure points, the hard points, the decision points, the choice points in life is to have a heart that belongs to God. And we were introduced to this guy, and his name is David, and he was really a nobody uh, that nobody wanted. Uh, he, he was uh, called by God uh, through the prophet Samuel, and Samuel anoints him as king. And it seems like what we enter into today is, is a scene in which it's David's coming out party. And David's going to teach us Something about what it means not to have a human perspective, but to have a perspective that is grounded in faith in the great God that we serve. 
Uh, David, in fact, throughout this text this morning, is going to prove to us uh, that phrase that you repeated earlier. That nothing is impossible when God is on your side. That nothing is impossible when God is on your side. That when God uh, stands, the God of the universe stands behind you in your corner, uh, there is no obstacle that can't be overcome. And David, through a perspective of faith, is going to show us what it looks like when you can have great faith and God stands in your corner. That nothing is impossible when God is on your side. This morning, we get into maybe one of the most famous stories of all of Scripture, It's a story that you have heard. It has all sorts of uh, sayings out there. It's the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath is one of these really uh, big villains in Scripture. Uh, He's big in every imaginable way. And from a human perspective, it's going to look like there is absolutely no way, not in a million years, that anybody could possibly beat Goliath. I mean, in this particular battle, Israel happens to be fighting their, their arch enemy, the Philistines. And the text is going to say that, uh, that they're in this valley of Elah. And in this valley, uh, if you were to look at the geography of the land, there are uh, two high points on either side of this valley. And so you would have to come down into the valley in order to do your fighting. But that's that's a bad place to be. If you understand anything about um, military strategy, uh, the military strategy says that you want to be at the high point, not the low point. And so both the armies, the Philistine army on the one side and the Israelite army on the other, uh, they want to occupy the high spaces, not the low spaces. And so there they are, and and that's where our story really begins. So would you join me in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you're looking in your Bible, uh, 1 Samuel is toward the beginning. Joshua judges Ruth. You'll eventually get to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is before 2 Samuel in chapter 17. So the battle lines have been drawn. And we're introduced to this giant, literally, uh, not figuratively, he is literally a giant. He's a very large man. And I just want you to notice uh, just how much space uh, the writers of Scripture give to the description of this war machine. I want you to hear about the armor. I want you to hear about all the details that are, are gravely intimidating, that show us just how impossible this was going to be. There was this great warrior, and his name is Goliath. Pick up the story with me, would you, in verse 4? A champion named Goliath, 
who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and his height was six cubits and a span. Uh, some people say um, in modern commentary that he was uh, six feet nine inches tall. Other, other commentators and translations say that he could be up to nine feet nine inches tall. Uh, listen to the rest of the description. You're going to get the idea. This was a really big dude, okay? This guy is going to make Dwayne Johnson look like a dwarf, okay? Check this out, verse 5. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scales and armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore a bronze greaves and bronze javelin, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So this guy is so big and so large, and he, he wears all of this really heavy armor, and, 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 and the text just is trying to get us to understand, this is a war machine. This guy is built like a tank. He is like the ultimate soldier. Are you with me? I mean, you do not mess with this guy. He's like the toughest of the tough. Nobody goes near him. And what's going to eventually happen is uh, because neither army wants to, to give up their position, what's going to happen is Goliath is going to come out and he's going to say, hey, hey, I've got a plan. I know what to make happen here. What we need is just to have a, a representative sort of war, a representative battle. I'll be my side's champion. You send over a champion and, and uh, whoever wins wins the battle. Whoever wins will be, be the, the victor, and whoever loses will be the slave. Notice what Goliath will say. So, verse 8, Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out? Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects, your servants, your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects, our servants and slaves and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now here's what's interesting right now in this story. You see, part of this story is really that God had been rejected as king over Israel. Do you remember that little piece? Uh, God was the king over all of Israel, and Israel had decided that they wanted a king. And they wanted a king for situations just like this. And so what do they do? They get a, they get a kingly looking guy, and his name is Saul. And the text tells us in, in several places in 1 Samuel that Saul is a head taller than everybody else. What does that mean? He's a big dude. Well, what would you think would be the place where Saul would come out? It'd be right here, wouldn't it? I mean, you got one big dude on one side of the field, and you got another big dude on another side of the field, and what do you expect? What are you expecting? You tell me. You expect them to fight one another, don't you? You see, Saul is a head taller than everybody else. 
He's the biggest dude on their side. Goliath's the biggest dude on their side. And you expect them to come together and to have this representative battle, right? Have it out. Let's go. But I want you to notice what happens in verse 11. Saul is overcome by the fear that comes when you look at things from merely a human perspective. He is looking at Goliath. He is looking at the situation. He's looking at the near impossibility of this great warrior on the other side, and he is saying, I'm afraid. I can't do it. Somebody else go do it. In fact, later on in the text, the text is going to tell us that that Saul is so afraid that he will give up half of his treasury, that he will give them all sorts of responsibility, uh, that he will give up his his children uh, in marriage if someone will just go out and fight Goliath. And what's a pity is that Saul ought to have been the man. Saul should have been the one to go down in the field to fight Goliath. Look at verse 11. Notice what it says. Look at the response from Saul. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You see, they were right where we are. You see that thing that you brought in with you, that, that relationship, that job, that uh, financial strain, that, that impossibility, that thing that you brought in with you this morning, that thing that causes you great anxiety, that thing that causes you terror, uh, they're right where we are. And when you look at things from a human perspective, fear is often the result. Now, I want you to notice, when you have a human perspective, just like Saul, everybody's terrified. Everybody's running in fear. Everybody's uh, trying to figure another way out. But David shows us something different. David shows us a perspective that is really all about faith. Now, David hasn't even been mentioned here. You notice he's not on the battlefield. Uh, We come to find out that, that... For 40 days, Goliath has been coming out, and he's been taunting uh, the Israelite army. He's been coming out and saying over and over again, I come uh, to defy the armies of Israel. And David, David he's, not even, he's not even in the army. You know why he's not in the army? Because you had to be at least 20 years old to be in the Israelite army. So at the very most, David's 19 years old, maybe younger He's not on the front lines. He's back home. He's, he's doing his shepherd thing. He's hanging out with dad. He's trying to hold down the fort while everybody else is off to war. And one day his dad says, hey, um, we got some supplies. We need to send them to the front lines. Your brothers are out there. I want you to go. I want you to give the supplies. And so David does what he's told. He takes the supplies. He, he goes out to the front lines. He delivers it. And he hears what Goliath has been saying. And he begins asking questions right away. Like, hey, what's going to be done with this guy? Can he just say that? No, wait a minute. I mean, he's indignant. And everybody else begins to say, well, you know, Saul uh, will give you a tax-free uh, life for the rest of your life. You'll get a bunch of money. You'll get, his wife, uh, get, his, uh, get, you'll get married to one, one of his daughters. And David is undeterred. And I want you to notice 
The perspective of faith that David has. Look with me, would you, in verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from all of Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Can can I read that last little part again? It's important. Don't miss it. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living, you say it, God. God. Now, we don't have time, but if I were to read from verse 1 all the way in here to verse 26, do you know how many times uh, before verse 26 God is mentioned? Zero. Zero. Here they have this impossible or nearly impossible task in front of them, and they're thinking, oh, we are so afraid, we can't possibly win. And there's such a human perspective that nobody thinks about God, that nobody thinks about who can fight their battles. And here is David, he comes to the line, and he ultimately gives us a perspective of faith, and he says, Who is going to defy the armies of the living God? He says, this isn't about Israel and this man. This is about God. Because God is the one who leads. And he begins to change the perspective. He begins to change our perspective so that we might try and look at life a little differently when there is an impossibility standing in front of us. And he says, hey, would you have a faith perspective that just generates the thought that nothing is impossible when God is on your side? That nothing is impossible when God is on your side. And although he faces some uh, resistance from an older brother who who is jealous about the fact that he's not God's anointed one, the word gets out that David is ready to fight this great battle, this great Philistine, this tank, this warrior. And he eventually finds himself in the company of Saul. Saul. And he's undeterred, and I want you to recognize how often he comes back to, hey, look, uh, uh, God is fighting my battles. Look at verse 32 with me, would you? Uh, David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So here is the boy who is not even old enough to go to fight the battle next to the dude that should be going to fight the battle. And he is telling the guy that should be going to fight the battle, hey, don't worry about it, I got this one. He says in verse 33, Saul replies, "Um, you're you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. Do you see how clear that is? Here David comes with a perspective of faith that says, hey, I got this, and he's going to tell us why in just a minute. Uh, But Saul comes out and goes, you can't do this. Because Saul is so stuck in his fear. He's so stuck in his own human perspective that all he can see is an obstacle in his way. 
But David said to Saul, look at with me in verse 34, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Uh, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a, a sheep from the flock, I went after it and, and I, I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I struck and killed it. Uh, your servant has uh, killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living you say it, God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And we see as absolutely clearly as we possibly can what David is saying is, I have a perspective of faith. I have a perspective of belief uh, that the one who was with me then is with me now and he will go with me because I recognize, David is saying, that nothing is impossible when God is on your side because he fights my battles and I believe in him. And we have this great exchange between uh, uh, David and Saul. And Saul tries to like, uh, you know, uh, get David ready. Like, here, have my armor and, and have my sword. But it wasn't with, what wasn't with all the man-made technology that could be brought to David that he was going to win this battle. It was going to be won because God was fighting in his corner. You remember Saul. He's the big one, Right? And we see that David swims in all of his army. He's like, this, this is no good. This is no good. And so instead, he takes probably what he's used in the field so many times. He takes that sling, and, and maybe you know the story. He goes and he finds five smooth stones. You see, there was nothing man-made about any of the weapons that, that David was going to go and bring. His weapon was just a, simply a rock. It was made by God in a smooth stream, and he went and he would pick up five of them. And meanwhile, here is Goliath, and he's out there, this representative champion, and he's out there, and he's ready to kill David. And it's Goliath who has a human perspective, too, and I want you to hear what he says. He, 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 he's insulted. Notice his insult. He says, meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and saw he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He's saying, Hey, hey, I'm asking for a warrior and you give me Justin Bieber? You're just a boy. You're going to fight me with sticks? I mean, he's licking his chops right now. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to squish you like a bug. I want you to hear the resolve of faith with David. He says, he says in verse 45, David says to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the one of the, 
of the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, this day the Lord will deliver me into your hands or deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I'm going to cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. I love it. There it is right there. Do you see it? Verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. Nothing is impossible, he's saying, when God is on your side. God is in my corner. God is in my camp. You cannot defeat me because God stands behind me. And what he says in an extraordinary way is there are no giants when God is on your side. There are no walls that cannot be overcome. There are no obstacles that cannot be uh, taken down and gone through when God is on your side. You see, according to David, Goliath is not really a giant. He's a dwarf. He's an ugly little troll. He's a pest. He's a rodent. And David looks at Goliath like Goliath looks at David. There is no chance. You got nothing. Because God is on my side. And here's where you expect like, like swords to fly and all sorts of great things. And you expect this like epic scene where uh, the two come together and, and they fight and, and all the details. But do you notice there, there's all the buildup. There's all the excitement. You have the great champion. You have David the boy coming out in the valley. But there is no battle, is there? There's nothing. David simply does what he's always done. And he takes the weapon that God has provided for him. And he takes that rock and takes the sling. And maybe you know the story. He, he plants the rock in the middle of his head and the giant falls. He takes his own sword and cuts off his head and he's the victor. And all of Israel comes out. And it was because David recognized that God stood behind him. And he believed and he acted on the idea that nothing is impossible when God is on your side. Church, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Do you, do you believe that nothing is impossible when God is on your side? I mean, you came in thinking about an impossibility, something that is standing in front of you, an outcome that uh, really causes you great fear. And yet you're confronted this morning with a, a, a perspective of faith that says nothing is impossible if, if God is on your side. And so I wonder with that thing that you brought in, maybe there is an illness, maybe 
Maybe the doctors are saying that there's no way that, that this person that you love is ever going to get well, that there's no way that, uh, that anything could possibly happen, that the person that you love or maybe yourself is never going to recover. Well, quite frankly, I don't care what the doctors say, but I do care what God says. And I'm asking you that perhaps today uh, you could enter in with a perspective of faith that says nothing is impossible when God is on your side. And maybe it is that, that you have a, a job and, and, and the job is about to end and you have a financial issue and, and you're thinking there's no way that this could happen. There's no way to overcome. And perhaps today uh, you have an opportunity to enter into and say, I'm going to enter into this with a perspective of faith that recognizes that what is impossible with people is possible with God and nothing is impossible when God is on your side. And maybe it is that you have been told a million times that you're never going to have children and it's never going to happen and the doctors are saying it's never going to happen and you've begun to believe it's never going to happen and perhaps uh, today you can enter into a perspective of faith that says, I am going to stand with God and say, I'm going I'm to accept a, a perspective of faith that says nothing is impossible when God is on your side. I know there's some of you that have come in and there's a relationship that you, you think is never going to ever be repaired, that there would never be true reconcile there, that it's an impossibility standing in your way. And I'm asking that you would take a perspective of faith that says nothing is impossible when God is on your side. And you know what else I know? I know that some of you right now are fighting me on this. I know that in your mind you're thinking, Oh, I know plenty of people that have had great faith and, and didn't have someone healed or, or someone come to have a child or someone be reconciled, and that's true. But this text is not about how much faith we have so that we can make God do anything. The fact of the matter is that God wanted Goliath to be defeated. He was just simply waiting for someone to step up in great faith so that His glory could be known through Him. And so I'm asking you, church, that we would be a people of tremendous faith. That we would no longer accept no. That we would say, God, I can't fight this battle. For me, it's an impossibility, but for you, it's not. And I will accept whatever you do with this. I will accept your will in this. But Lord, will you do the impossible today? Will you do the impossible this week? Will you do the impossible this month in my family, in my body, in someone else's body? Lord, would you do it in a job and in my finances? Would you do the impossible? Because I believe that nothing is impossible when God stands in my corner. Will you have faith and begin to act with a faith perspective that nothing is impossible when God is on your side. When you came in this morning, when you came in this morning, you got a little index card. You got a little index card, and I'm going to ask you to pull it out. Would you go ahead and pull that index card out? As you came in this morning, you got that little index card, and I went around and made sure that there's pens in every single one of those little, uh, those little troughs in the seat backs in front of you. 
If you have a pen, go ahead and grab it, and I'm going to ask you to grab a pen out of the seat back. I'm going to ask you to take that index card, and I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to name your giant. What's the thing that this morning seems impossible? What's the thing this morning that's causing you great anxiety and fear, and you're thinking there is no possible way? This can't be overcome. It's not ever going to happen. I want you to write it down. Now, in order for it to be a giant, it has to be something that you can't do. You have to admit, I can't do this. I can't do it on my own. But God can. I want you to name your giant. Take that pen. Take that index card. And name your giant. Name the impossibility. Name the barrier that you think can't be overcome. The near impossibility in your life. If you've done that, I want you to flip it over, and I want you to write out this very simple prayer. God, will you make the impossible possible? God, will you make the impossible possible? And then be open to whatever he says. God, will you make the impossible possible? You've named your giant. You've named the obstacle. You've named the thing that causes you great fear and anxiety. But I'm asking and I'm pleading with you, church, to have a perspective of faith. God, will you make the impossible possible? So I'm going to ask you one more time to repeat with me. Will you do it? Nothing is impossible. Come on now. Nothing is impossible. When God is on your side. Nothing is impossible. When God is on your side. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that you have come to fight our battles. Lord, I pray that you enlarge our faith and you would open our eyes to who you are and the situations that you're ready to speak into, that you want the glory in. Lord, I pray that we would have a mature and proper perspective of our faith and who you are. And Lord, we pray that giants fall this week. We pray that giants will fall this month and this year. Lord, we ask that you will overcome our fear and we will have hope. Lord, we love you and I thank you so much for your goodness to us. And I pray, Lord, for proper faith. Lord, fight our battles. In Jesus' name, amen.